We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nechami, founder of Carmela Cosmetics, a company that produces high-performance natural beauty products and is dedicated to uniting and empowering women through the power of color. This is We Are Women, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast came about as a way to give a voice to all women because we all have stories to share. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. This podcast episode is brought to you by Uplevel, the app that's redesigning the world for women. Head over to uplevel.com, that's U-P-L-E-V-Y-L.com, to join the Uplevel network and learn how to accelerate your life professionally, personally, and financially. Apply now and get access to highly curated, female-focused, and ad-free content. Membership required. Download the Uplevel app on the App Store today. I'm so excited for tonight's episode featuring Rachel Tuchman, who is a licensed mental health counselor, beloved therapist, and speaker with a wide range of experiences. I've been following Rachel for a while now, and we share some good friends, but this was the first time that we spoke, and we could have gone on for hours with this conversation that you're going to listen in on in a minute. You know, it's interesting because very often we see people share their professional advice and posts, but we don't get to hear their story, right? So during this episode, Rachel shared her journey, her her story of how she became who she is today. Rachel originally actually wanted to become a criminal defense attorney and she switched career paths to become a therapist. So she talks about that and why she chose to become a therapist, her journey and her inspiration for that. Rachel spoke about her experience as a therapist for the women in Rikers Jail and how it reminded her that all people deserve compassion. She also shared her struggles with people-pleasing, how she learned to have proper boundaries, what she wishes people knew about her, and feeling comfortable in your skin. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. I know that you're going to learn a lot and be inspired. So young Rachel actually was born in Buffalo, New York. (laughs) I lived there until I was five and then I moved to Canada um, and I was raised in Toronto. So I really like think of myself as like Canadian, even though I never became a citizen, but I lived there. Um, I grew up there. I went to school there. Um, And then I eventually moved back here when I met my husband and um, lived in Queens for a while. And now I'm in the five towns. Young Rachel wanted to be a criminal lawyer. Um, I just always thought like that was going to be my thing, like working like as an attorney, doing criminal defense, something like that. Um, But then as I got older, I kind of like started veering more towards like just wanting to be a therapist. And I think in high school, that's kind of when I like decided like, I feel, I feel like this is what I want to do. I want to go out and like help heal the world. Um, I was always that personality of like peacemaker, the fixer, which is, I'm sure you'll hear this from a lot of people who are therapists now. Like that's the role we played in our family. That's the role we play with our friends. We were the listener. We wanted everyone to be happy. We were the people pleasers. Um, you know, cause a lot of the time that's where it stems from that like unhealthy need turns into something healthy, hopefully. Um, 
So that was kind of always like my personality is just like always really like empathic and feeling people's feelings and, and wanting people to feel better and not wanting to see people hurt. Um, and you know, so it just kind of naturally led into, so, you know, it made sense, I guess, that I wanted to be like a criminal defense attorney. I wanted to help people kind of restore their lives and do the right thing and get another chance. Um, but as I like started learning, like what law school would be like and taking LSATs, I was like, I am not a school person. Like I'm not studying, I'm not taking the bar, no way. Um, and therapy just resonated with me more. And so that's kind of where I like ended up, um, so yeah, I wasn't academic at all, hated school my entire life. I also believe that I wasn't good in school, like that I couldn't like be a good student. Um, and it was really only once I got to college that I like started, I was like Dean's list and like, you know, getting grades that I like literally never got in my entire life. And I started like realizing like, oh, like I am sort of smart and like I can do well in school. And um, so, yeah, and that's where I am now. Wow, it's so interesting how you mentioned about, you know, st starting off wanting to become a criminal attorney and then, you know, veering into the therapy world. Uh, I never thought of those like two common denominators, but I definitely see how they're both helping people and saving people kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, say like if you speak to lawyers who work in like that kind of like in criminal, you know, a criminal defense attorney or family law, they always say like they're we're constantly therapizing our clients. Like you're listening to their problems, you're dealing with their families, you're really there is a lot of that, you know, interpersonal complicated dynamics, you know, someone who's very emotional if they're facing something serious, like there is a lot of that overlap. Um so you know, they're not supposed to be therapists, but they end up feeling like they are because they deal with so much, you know, complicated emotional stuff, you know? Right. For sure. That makes total sense. Yeah. So what, so I know you mentioned this a little bit, but like what really inspired you to become a therapist? Like when do you decide, okay, I'm going to definitely like become a therapist? So I think originally, like I wanted to work with kids and I wanted to like help, you know, just like, help kids like learn to manage their behavior better and to be happier. And again, like, I think it was kind of like wanting to like, just fix the world, you know? Um, and so originally I was like really passionate about working with kids and um, specifically also kind of working like with like kids from abused families, like at work from abusive homes. Um, and then again, as I like started learning more about what that would like be about or what kind of what kind of work that it would entail I was like ooh, like I don't know if I could handle this it sounds like intense and then I think it would be like too much for me emotionally um and so then I was like all right I just want to do like behavioral stuff with kids with like developmental disabilities so I was working with the like in the community with like autism for a while um and I kind of I never thought that I would be where I am today because I really thought like I only want to work with kids um, but, and that's why I say like to upcoming therapists, like, don't put, don't put yourself in a box. Like you're going to change, you know, throughout your career. So I started working with kids. I was in that community working with autism and then like slowly, but surely it started like evolving to just like general behavioral issues. And then I started working with parents and then like the kids would go away to camp and then I would just work with the parents, but we wouldn't be focusing on the kids. We'd be focusing on their own issues. And I just started seeing like, I actually really like working with adults. Like I love working with kids, but I find working with adults like so much more fulfilling. And then, um, you know, I started, I went through my own journey with infertility. And while I was going through infertility, I was like, you know what, making, I was making deals with God. Like, I'm going to talk about this and I'm going to be open about it. And I'm going to help people in my practice. Like, I'm not going to let anyone feel alone. Like I do. 
And so then I kind of started getting into the world of infertility in terms of clinical work. Um, and then I started stumbling upon all of this like anti-diet, health at every size, disordered eating stuff. And I became really passionate about that. And it happened to be, it was at the same time that I was seeing kids who were telling me coming in and, you know, we were talking about school and whatever, but it would come up of like, you know, like, oh, Rachel, can I have a snack? Like my mom doesn't let me have snack when I get home because she says that I need to lose weight. And, you know, like I went to camp this summer and I didn't go to canteen at all because my mom told me if I come back and gain weight that I can't go, you know, I can't get a dress for my sister's bat mitzvah or like just crazy things like that. That's so that I was, sad. Yeah. I was like, what is happening in this world? And then I just started hearing more and more stories and more and more of my clients would come in for things unrelated to weight. And then the more we would talk, there would come up a history of an eating disorder or a history of a real trauma around their body or body image issues that were really getting in the way of them dating, getting married, whatever. And I was like, wow, like this is like, I always knew it was a problem, but then it was like really like in front of me, I was like, I have to do something about this. Um, so I kind of just like evolved, you know, and that's where I am today. And I know I'll probably evolve again and I'll get into something else. Um, but you know, it started with like, I only want to work with kids and I only want to work with like developmental disabilities to like, I only want to work with behavioral issues with kids. And I only want to work with teenagers. And now it's kind of like I, most of my practice now at one point before Corona was like really mostly kids with a few adults. And now it's like very few kids um, and mostly adults. Um, awesome. Yeah. So constantly changing and evolving. And that's a good thing though, you know, for sure. For sure. Yeah. For me, for me, it's a good thing. I like that it's constantly changing and evolving because I don't like to stay still for too long. I don't like to be like, you know, so I like that there's always like something new and challenging and interesting for me to, to do. For sure. I mean, I think that's part of life, honestly, like with anything in any business or career or whatever, like if you're just doing the same thing all the time, it gets boring, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for me, I'm always meeting new people like constantly. So it's not even like I'm with the same 10 people for, you know, people come, people go, you know? Um, so I'm always meeting new people and I'm always hearing new stories and, and, you know, new dynamics and new issues. But, um, I don't know. I just like to, I, I like that. I'm always able to like learn something new and, you know, get into a new area of, of work and expertise and it's cool. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually didn't mention one thing, which I wanted to ask you about, which probably we're going way back, but at one point you worked at a jail, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, that was my first job out of grad school. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to work in a jail like that was, you know, but that goes back to like the criminal defense piece, right? Right, that right. <laughs> fascinated with, with the whole criminal system, you know, with the justice system and with prison systems. And, you know, so I always knew like that's the job I wanted to have. Um, so when I graduated grad school, I applied and they were like, please, we'll take anyone like we don't <laughs> care. Like you could be the dumbest person alive. We'll take you. <laughs> Who wants to work in jail? Nobody. You know? And I was like, I'm so excited. They're like, why? You know, <laughs> work here. Um, and so I did. I worked in the women's facility for like just under two years. Um, it was probably no, it not probably. It was definitely the most intense job I've ever had, but the most intense years of my life, like the things that I saw there, you never want to go to jail. I'll tell you that right now, even as an employee in jail, it was emotionally a lot. Um, my first like two weeks there, I think I had nightmares probably every night, like just from the stress of like what goes on there and just feeling like, you know, I, I knew I was like safe, but like, I wasn't safe, you know, um, it was really intense there. 
Um, and the stories you hear, like I'll never forget, you know, you know, these things happen because you watch SVU, you know, Law right. and Order and you see movies, but to hear people like lived experiences, some of these traumatic, horrible, horrible stories, it's just like, it's really something that stays with you. Um, but it was the best experience of my life. I saw like literally every clinical presentation of every diagnosis was in front of me. Um, I, I met every kind of person from shoplifting in CVS to, you know, a mother who like murdered her child um, or someone who murdered their ex or, you know, like armed robberies and kids who were, you know, beating up people in the streets and just really like intense, crazy stuff. Um, and then it became too intense and I had to get out of there. Um, like I knew it wasn't already like the job in terms of the hours, it was not flexible. And I had at the time, I had a, a little girl at home, my oldest, who's a teenager now, but she was little at the time. Like I was never, I couldn't get home in time to like be home for her. And I had like a lot of guilt of like, she's like, you know, she's in school all day and then she comes home and I'm not there. And like, I hated that I couldn't like get time off to go to her school performances because they were uptight about taking off of work. And so I knew it wasn't long-term for me, but it was a great stepping stone because every job after that, they would be like, oh, where did you work before? And I'm like, oh, I worked in Rikers Island. They're like, okay, you can have this job. <laughs> like if you work there, you can handle anything. So like any job I applied to, I didn't even have to tell them any other work experience. I had. They're like, yeah, okay, you get the job, you know? <laughs> Wait, so it was prison then, right? It wasn't jail, it was prison. So, no, it was jail. Because, oh, jail, okay. Yeah, prison is, is once you're sentenced, like anything... Uh you're in prison jail is just a holding facility so it was like for people with a sentence of a year or less or if they were awaiting trial they would be in Rikers jail uh, um, so yeah it was um it was pretty crazy but so then you had everything you know you really had a whole range of you know I had a woman there who was like a lawyer and like a big fancy firm in Manhattan and she was there because she notarized like a document without someone being there you know and like so she was like a regular, oh you know, gosh. Madison Avenue attorney, like sleeping next to like the lady shoplifting from CVS, who's like, you know, smoking crack every day. It was like really crazy. Um, so that was interesting for her. She was really like, she was traumatized. She's like, the only thing I know about jails from watching this show at the time, there was a show on HBO. I think I never even watched it, but it was called Oz. And it was like depicting jail in the most, I guess there was like a lot of like traumatic scenes in this you know in this show about like what jail was like and she's like that's literally like all I knew about jail so she came there and she was terrified she said she didn't shower for the first month she was there because she was scared she was going to get attacked in the shower because that's what she saw in the show oh my gosh <laughs> so I mean eventually when I got there already she was comfortable and she was okay but she's like I never thought she's like Rachel you should see my life I had this massive apartment in the city She's like, I am one of those fancy whatever's from, you know, Manhattan. And she's like, look where I am. So the judge wanted to make an, get an example out of her. That's why she was there. She's a really bad lawyer, which is pretty crazy. But um, yeah, that was like the most interesting, intense. I have some crazy stories from that time. Um, Do you know what happened to her? So she, she was in jail. The judge gave her, I think it was 10 months, which is insane he really like she should have just gotten off with a fine and maybe taking taking like disbarring her you know so she could yeah. more but this lawyer like hated her the judge hated her and her lawyer was really bad um so he sentenced her I think it was 10 months and she ended up serving six right. so she by the time like she left she was really close with so many of the women that were like in her housing unit 
um, she really changed a lot. Um, she was traumatized for sure, because, you know, the, the whole story behind it was traumatic. It was like she had a boyfriend who he wanted her to notarize the deed to his mother's house. And so she trusted this guy like he was her boyfriend. And, you know, she thought he was like such a great guy. And he brings her the deed and the mother's signature is on it. And she's like, like, I trust you. Like, why not? I guess, you know, I don't know. I guess we would all do that. Trust our our, our yeah. boyfriend or whoever. Like, why would you lie Harder, to yeah trying to steal your mom's house, you know? And so she signed the document and then his family, it blew up that they were like, what are you doing? And it went to court and they're like, who notarized this document? Like, was your mom even there? And she, and he threw her under the bus, which is like horrible. That's terrible. Yeah. And so she went to jail and nothing happened to him, which is so crazy. Um, Needless to say, they broke up. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Didn't work out between them too. Right. And yeah, and then she, you know, she lost her job in this massive firm. She was like a top associate and and a huge law firm in in the city. But she ended up moving back home. She like lived out like down south, like in North Carolina, something like that. So she moved back and she like started a consulting firm, helping other attorneys. And like, she's okay now, you know, I mean, I haven't spoken to her in probably 14 years, but But she was okay. Like I was in touch with her after she used to call, like I was still working in the jail. And so she would call and like, tell me how she was doing. And she was okay. You know, like she rebuilt her life, but it was pretty crazy. You know, it's like so crazy. Someone, she wasn't Jewish, but like, it was someone that looked like me, you know? And I was like, what are you doing here? You know? Um, so it was, it was really, it was crazy. Some really just whack, wacky, crazy stories. Um, oh. but it was really cool you know? Yeah, totally. You must have learned so much from being there. And I was like a really fun job as guest. Cause like everyone just wanted to be <laughs> stories all the time. They'd be like, we had invitations nonstop. Everyone's like, Rachel, just come and we'll just listen. Like no one talk. Rachel just tells her stories for the week at the table. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was an amazing learning experience and it was great. But like, once I left, I realized like it was such a stressful job and like I was literally always in that like high alert stress mode and like it's it's not you know there the burnout rate is very high in the prison systems and the jail systems um and there's a reason for it you know it's intense um you're dealing with people that have like a lot of mental illness a lot of trauma a lot of violence um it's pretty crazy and and here at least Rikers is known for just like being a garbage jail like in terms of the the corrections department is just like not good and a lot of corruption and so it was just and I was there at the time where it was like really getting bad in terms of you know what was going on there um so it was just like not a good place for me to be and so I got my experience I finished my clinical hours which is what I needed and then I moved on so I'm grateful for it I do not regret it I it was really at the time I loved it and I got great supervision but I knew it wasn't a forever job, you know? So I moved on after that. Has it like helped you in your current practice? Because like maybe giving you an extra dose of sensitivity towards people, even if they've, you know, quote unquote done like the wrong thing or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, totally. Cause like I would have people literally sitting in front of me who were murderers and like I had like my heart broke for them, you know? And like, I feel like once upon a time before that, like, you never hear the other side of the story. You never hear what the murderer, not that they're crime. Like you're like, Oh, I feel so bad that you right, like, right. 
one, but like when you hear where they came from and you hear their story, how they were brought up and what they've been through, like it makes sense to you why somebody gets to that point, you know, and it doesn't mean that you think it's okay or that you have even compassion for the crime, but you're just like, wow, like there's really a lot of people in this world that go through a lot of really, really bad things. And like, this is why they do what they do. And I think it is important that like people sometimes realize that like people are not binary. It's not good or bad. It's not black or white. Like it's, there's people are so complex and you're, you can be someone who does something horrible, like murder somebody. And you can also be like this, like really like beautiful, nice, kind human. I remember I had one um, inmate, her name was Anna. And she was like this, like little Hispanic woman. She was like in her fifties and she had the craziest story. Should I get into the story? Sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> she had this crazy story. She was someone with mental illness. She heard voices. She had a lot of trauma in her life, a horribly abusive childhood, was married to a guy that was horribly abusive, like literally cut her with knives and beat her and like just really traumatic stuff. And she had a neighbor who, um, she didn't get along with this neighbor. And one time, I guess one night they had gotten into a fight, she and this neighbor and she, my, the inmate, my client, Anna started like hearing voices and the voices told her like, you have to go kill this woman. This is her version of events that she heard voices, right? I'm going to assume that this was true just because of my dealings with her. I knew there was mental illness and, you know, some psychiatric issues and whatever. Um, So she went into this woman's apartment and like literally like beat her to death, like horrible. Um, and then she freaked out because she realized like, oh my gosh, I, I killed her. And so she brought her into her apartment and put her in her bathtub and just left her there. And then like left her apartment for days. And then finally her neighbors were like, it smells in the building. Like it smells like something died, you know? And the landlord went into her apartment and found this dead But they said apparently that it was like so badly beaten up, like they couldn't even tell, like, you know, like, what is that, you know? And she had just like, she went to a friend, she disappeared, you know, they ended up finding her it was her apartment and obviously arrested her. And so she's telling me the story. And like, I remember reading about it in the news and I was like, oh my God. And then I met her and I, she was telling me the story and, and I just knew about her life though, you know, because she was my client and I had a lot of compassion for her. You know, what she did was horrible, you know, and the details of the crime, like I gave you the clean version, like right, right. gruesome, but my heart really broke for her. She was this like mentally ill, lonely, abused, traumatized woman. And she had a ton of remorse, but she also said, I can't be let out of prison. Like I deserve what I get and I need to stay there. I'm not safe. Like I'm not a healthy person, you know? And so that was really like, you know, it just, I would hear these stories and I would be like, wow, you know, like, it's so crazy. I would say to my husband, I would come home and I'd be like, it's so crazy that I'm like, I feel bad for like murderers. Like, but I do, I I cry for them. And I like, I just hope that whatever redemption they need, like they get it, you know, a personal redemption, something, but it was really, it was very eye opening to like, just remember that like people do bad things and, and they do horrible things. And, and like underneath there's like a lot of pain and hurt. And, and again, it doesn't justify what they do, but like, you know, people could be different if they didn't go through such horrible things, you know? Um, and it just gives like a whole new level of understanding to these things. And 
I don't know, you know, for me, that was very powerful. And so I think I've learned to just be very non-judgmental. I, I mean, specifically also because my job, I'm presented with it every day. I see what goes on in people's lives. And, you know, I know all the pain that goes into some of the things they do or, or don't do. Um, but that was like the biggest eye opener for me that I was like, wow, I can't believe that I'm like, I remember reading the story and being like, oh my God, this woman's a monster. And then she was sitting in front of me and I was like, I just want to hug you. Like, I just feel so sad, yeah. you know? So that was pretty so interesting. Yeah. That was pretty eye opening. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's so, you know, obviously that's a very extreme example of um, your work in, in jail. Um, yeah. But, you know, going back to, you know, our day-to-day lives, um, when, when things happen, when people do things that aren't necessarily appreciated right maybe even a little rude or obnoxious or whatever I, I think it's a really great lesson to just look at them and you know see where they're coming from obviously like you don't have to take that you can have your own boundaries we should have your own boundaries but you don't take abuse or whatever it is but like to look at them with compassion and to be like okay like maybe they went through x y and z or let's look at what happened here you know what I mean yeah um it, it's funny because I, I have this friend who I love but like it's funny because I'll like something will happen. And then I'll say something like, maybe because my mother's a therapist also. So I like grew up with that kind of thing, but I'll be like, yeah, but like, she's so like, this is like, look what happened to her. Look what a situation. She's like, doesn't matter. She, she did actualize. And I'm like, no, 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 but it does matter. It really matters. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I think that's important because it doesn't like lessen the, like the, the degree of like, you know, hurt or whatever it is. But sometimes when we have a context to like understand why someone does something, it does help us in order to like move on or to learn to let go or to figure out how we want to manage it, you know? So like, if I know it actually has nothing to do with me or even if it does have something to do with me, but I understand like where it's coming from, I can come at it with more compassion or I can decide how I'm going to engage, you know, or if I'm going to set a certain boundary or, you know, I think that it does give us a lot of information. So doesn't mean that you're not hurt or that you're not as upset, but I think it is, you know, helpful to kind of be like, okay, well, like if we know that this is how she operates or because this happened to her or whatever, sometimes it just helps us. Like it can be like a kind of a selfish thing, right? I'm not trying to give you brownie points or I'm not trying to let you off the hook. I'm really trying to help myself here, figure out like how I want to feel about this, you know? Yes. I, I think people should feel okay to do that, you know, but I think they're scared because then they think, oh, well, there's, there's no excuse or right. <laughs> excuses. And I'm like, well, for me, it's not about that. For me, it's just about like, I want to understand this so that I can figure out how I'm going to react and like what I'm going to do with this, you know? So it's less about you and more about me, you right. know? <laughs> it like lessens the sting a little bit, you know? Totally. Actually, that reminds me um, because you posted something recently about this, uh, which I wasn't even planning on talking about. But now that we brought this up, um, someone messaged you. They got your number somehow, and then they were really, really rude, like abusive. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, but you were able, and you 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 took it as a learning experience for not only for yourself but also for your followers. We spoke about that. Yeah, yeah, I've like never experienced that like ever even working at jail. <laughs> um, I, and I was called some bad names, but I've never been like harassed like that. Um, but yeah, like someone got my number somehow. The person that she told me gave her the number. I didn't even know who it was. So I'm like, I don't know how you found me. Um, 
but like the person was calling me all day and texting me all day. And really like, you know, I wasn't answering, I was working and I was with my family. And finally it got to a point where she sent like a pretty rude text, like, how come you don't answer or something? And I was like, okay, like, I'm going to, I'm going to answer this now. And so I said in a very polite way, like, Hey, like, I don't know who gave you my number. I don't know who this is that you mentioned. Um, but this isn't the way to contact me. You have to email me. And I said, but I'm not taking new clients now anyway. Like, so thanks so much for reaching out. And then all the harassing texts are what I shared. Um, I knew right away when I saw that behavior, like it wasn't even a question for me. Like I knew right away, like this is someone who really has like a lot on their plate right now. Like you don't act like that if you're someone who's regulated and like thinking straight and healthy emotionally. So something's going on for this person. Um, and that's probably why she reached out, you know, but like, you can't you, just because you need therapy doesn't mean you can reach out to a therapist and like abuse them and treat them horribly. Like we're people too, you know, and, and that is something that, that does get to me sometimes when people will say on my platform, if I share something or if I speak in a way that like, they don't like, they'll say like, but as a therapist, you should. And I'm like, okay, like on this platform, I'm not your therapist and I'm not even showing up here as like a therapist. I'm showing up here as Rachel who has, who is a therapist and has this knowledge and I want to share it. But like a lot of the stuff I share is not always so professional, you know, like I'm just, sometimes I'll share funny things or a recipe or a random thing. Like my platform is not just like therapeutic, you know? Um, but it, it took me a minute. Like when I first got those texts, like I was like, Whoa. And then, you know, I would block it and then a new number would come up and there would be another text. Uh -huh. Like, Oh, you know, I'm not tech savvy as you just saw. <laughs> so I'm like, how is she doing this? Like, how is she getting new numbers and texting me? Um, and then there were emails and it was just like nonstop, but thankfully I was home at the time. So like my, my husband was with me and he was like, you know, supportive. And he was like, wow, this is like pretty intense. Um, but there was one point where I started like typing a message back. Cause I was starting to get angry cause I am a human and I was starting to get really annoyed because the things she was writing were disgusting. Um, but then I stopped and I'm like, like, before you press send on this, like you need to just take a minute and like, A, look what you're writing. Cause it's like really not nice what I was writing. Um, and I said, and B, like, think about who you're speaking to right now. You know, like this is someone who is in pain clearly. And I am not the therapist for her not only because I don't have time, but because I would never work with someone like that, obviously, like we're not a good fit. It's very clear. Um, but like, it's not going to help. And I don't want to ever, God forbid, be the reason for someone doing something or being in a place like meaning that I did something that I can clearly connect. Like I sent that horrible message and then I put her into this position of, you know, whatever it is. So I said, okay, I'm deleting and I'm not answering and I'm just going to continue blocking. And if I have to keep blocking for God knows how long I'll do it. And then if I have to take the next steps and get other people involved to be left alone, like that's what I'll do. Um, but I did channel that compassion, which was very hard. Um, at, at one point it was very hard. Like I said, I was like, I was all out of compassion. I'm like, all right, <laughs> the phone start, you know, I was like, all right, I'm done being nice, you know? <laughs> But I, I took a step back and I said, like, what will I even get out of this? Like from sending a, this disgusting message, like, you know, and then I also thought about the consequences too. Like I would never want a screenshot of my name saying the things that I was writing, you know, cause I can get some of that jail stuff came with me when I left, you know, I can get all kinds of jailish on, on 
I picked up a few things. There. <laughs> I was like, I would never want my name attached to like speaking this way, you know? Yeah. And so I'm just going to like, let it be. Um, and I did, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, and I got a few more emails after that and whatever, but like, I just, I didn't engage and like it eventually stopped, but it was a challenge, you know, but again, that compassion was like a huge part of why I was able to like regulate myself, calm down and like not make a bad decision and respond in the way that I felt like responding, but I knew it wasn't a good idea, you know? And I think that's important, like that people realize also like you can have feelings and they're valid. And, and the way I felt was totally like a hundred percent warranted, but I didn't have to act on those feelings, you know? Um, yeah. And so I didn't, but it was a, cha- it was very hard, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point about having the feelings, but not needing to act on them. Yeah. It's hard. We want to sometimes, you know, and that doesn't mean by the way that in every area of my life, I'm not always, I never act on my feelings. Right. You're human. Like if my daughter was, <laughs> she could vouch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you don't always act on your feelings. <laughs> I a thousand percent do. But in this case, there were far too many consequences, you know, that, that I, that I knew like, we're just not, you know, like it wasn't the right thing for me. It wasn't worth my energy or my time. It would do no good. Nothing would come out of it. I'm not having a relationship with this person. Like I really just had to like, let it go. And I wanted it to go away. So if I don't engage anymore, like nothing's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So, um, so it eventually stopped, but that was hard. That was a challenge. And yeah, I thought it was like a great opportunity to share with people. A, like the people that help you, that take care of you, your doctors, your therapists, your dentist, your, your whoever, like they're humans, like treat them with respect, you know? And if you want something from someone, like even if they're in the service industry, like you're not entitled to their help or their services. Like there is a way to get in touch with people and, and therapists have boundaries and we're allowed to, you know, and I guess I can only speak for my profession, but like if there's a way to contact me and I tell you this is the way, like you can't like start verbally abusing me and attacking me. You can just say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. And like, either you can think I'm disgusting for the way I said it to you, or you can say, okay, I'm going to email you. Right. But like, we deserve respect. And, and I'm allowed to say like, this is not the way to contact me, you know? So I just wanted people to know, like, we're humans. And just because we're therapists doesn't mean that like, nothing bothers us. And we always understand how people feel. And it doesn't make us angry. Like, I understood how she felt. But at some points, I felt super angry. And I was like, I don't have to be treated this way. And like, you're going to see a whole other side of Rachel that nobody's <laughs> seen, you know, <laughs> and she didn't get to see it in the end because I controlled myself. But, you know, I just thought that was like a good opportunity to share with people like, hey, you know, like, remember that like people are people and they have yes. and like, you can't unleash on them. It's not okay. You no. know, so no. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And also you just mentioned something else. Oh yeah. About engaging, which is really great for, for anyone. It's like such a good lesson as a professional, especially we have a lot of professionals listening to this, um, entrepreneurs. Right. And you know, that's a good lesson, like not to engage because things happen, stressful things come up, conversations, people are just not all people treat you nicely are going to treat you nicely, you know? Um, yeah. so it's important to like, to remember that also it's a good tip. And you don't have to, like, I always say, like, you don't have to attend every fight you're invited to, you know? So <laughs> if someone's like 
picking a fight with you and whatever, like you could bow out. And there's, there's no shame in that. Like, I don't feel like I was like a wimp that I didn't fight back or like, Oh, I, I was like, you know, I was weak. Like, I feel like on the contrary, it took so much like strength to just be like, I don't need to show her who's boss. I don't need to put anyone in their place. I don't need to be like, Oh yeah. You know, like (laughs) you are clearly going through things. You clearly like do need support. I am not the one to give it to you, but I also don't have to like tolerate this. And I think when you have a business, like as a business owner, it is something that I did have to learn. Like when I was starting out my practice and whatever, like really learning boundaries and learning how to like, you know, set things in place and like not be apologetic or like feel bad or be like, okay, fine. I'll make an exception. Like, no, like these are my hours. This is my, you know, communication rules and and boundaries. These are my fees. I had to like really learn to do that. Um, And that was hard because like I said in the beginning of this, like I am a people pleaser, you know, there's a part of me that really still is in a lot of ways. Um, I'm learning how not to be in a lot of areas of my life, but like, it's hard, you know? So that, that's something that I really had to, to learn. And I see, I'm, I'm definitely getting better at it, but there will be challenging moments where people will push your buttons or say things to you or, you know, like, I don't know. They'll, they'll know like what to say that you're going to be like, Hey, like that doesn't sit right. And sometimes the best thing is to just be like, okay, like I don't have to respond to every, you know, argument or insult or, or fight or whatever, or threat even like, okay, you know, um, we just let it go and it's, it's hard, but sometimes that's just the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of, do you have any, you know, tips on how to get past or or get through that, you know, the feeling of people pleasing and to really do what's best for you? So I think what it depends, like uh, you really have to like ask yourself, like where that's coming from the people pleasing. Right. So for some people it's like because of a childhood thing for other people, it could be like relationships when you were older, not everything is from childhood. Sometimes it's in, you know, in your marriage or in your beliefs about yourself or whatever it is. So I guess it's just a matter of like asking yourself, like why you believe um, that it's like so terrible to disappoint someone, like what's going to happen to you, you know, and what does that say about you? And I think that when you realize like, it's okay for people to be disappointed, it doesn't necessarily mean it's because of, because anything you did was wrong. It's just because people are allowed to have their feelings. And I think when we give permission to people, give them that space of like, yeah, you know what, you're allowed to be sad. That's okay. I don't have to control your feelings. Right. Then it's like very freeing to be like, oh, there's nothing wrong with being sad. People are allowed to feel disappointed in my decisions. And like, that's okay. They don't have to like them. You know, they're allowed to feel let down by me, you know, and I'm allowed to say no. And they're allowed to go find someone else to do it if I can't do it. You know, I think something for me, a big part of it was realizing also, like, I don't have to be like the superhero. Other people, I can give other people the opportunity to help or to do or to or to be. It doesn't have to be Rachel does everything. Right. You know, there was that part of me that felt like, well, if not me, like who's gonna do it? You know, like I gotta be that person, you know. And I remember once, like early on in my account, um, that was like one of my posts. You know, I look back at some of the stuff I posted and I see how much I've evolved. I'm like, wow, I really do not believe that anymore. Like I would never oh, really <laughs> so what do you do? down because it's, it's good for me to see like, wow, that used to be my, my mentality once. And like, 
I've changed so much. I would never say that now, you know, but I'm not ashamed of it. And I want people to see like, Hey, here's how I used to think. And here's how I think now. And, and I think people need to see that, that we're not like assigned locked into our thinking. Like people are allowed to change their minds. This is a wonderful, beautiful thing. And it's part of being human. Like we learn a new way or we learn something new and we say like, Oh, actually that makes a lot of sense to me. Like, I, I think I, I think that makes much more, that aligns with me a lot more, you know? Um, and we're always evolving. So, you know, like things that sat right with us 10 years ago, like it's not who we are now, you know? Um, but I think just seeing that, like people are allowed to have their feelings and and by trying to deny them that, like you're not doing them any favors, you know? So if I'm always trying to avoid making you upset or whatever, like, A, I'm giving myself way too much credit that I have so much power to make sure people are always happy and comfortable it's so much power and, and it's exhausting as a human being to feel like it's always your responsibility. Um, but also just like respecting like my need to be happy. Like, why do I always have to make everyone else happy? But then I need to be suffering, you know, because really when you are people pleasing, you're not happy because you're not being yourself and you're saying yes to things that you don't want to. And you're being put in a position that you don't want to be in and you're exhausted and you have no time for yourself. And so it was kind of like, realizing like I'm not doing anyone any favors by being you know the person with like oh I got an award for the sisterhood and I got an award from the shul and I got an award from this organization that organization but I'm tired and I'm crying in my car at the end of the day because I have nothing left in me and and I'm not happy so I need to stop doing this you know I mean I remember my husband would always say to me just say no and I would be like you're so mean you're so mean. And he would be like, no, it's not mean. You know, he's like, you're being mean to yourself. But I used to think he is very boundaried and I had no boundaries. And I would think he was mean because he was setting a boundary. And it just goes to show like, you know, he would be like, you're allowed to say no, like someone else could do it. Let some, give someone else the right. chance. Oh my God, you're so mean, mean, you know? started like, like saying like, I need to learn from him. I need to learn. And it, a lot of time his no would make me so uncomfortable when he would say no to people. I'd be like, oh, okay, I know it's the right thing. I know it's the right thing. But I had to like talk myself through it when he was saying no. And like, we would talk about it together. Okay. They're going to ask us this. We're going to say no together. Right. Rachel, you're on board. I'd be like, yes, we're saying no, I'm not doing it. I, I I'm taking a break from this. Um, but it was really hard. And for me, honestly, what I did to get out of that, like being the yes person was I I told myself after like a very, I had a very hard year where I was saying yes to everything and doing and being, you know, I was literally getting awards from every shul and whatever, because I was like, just like Rachel is the best. I was burnt out beyond. And I said, this is going to be the year of the no. I'm saying no to everything. It doesn't matter what it is. The smallest thing that I could do, no problem. I'm saying no. And that year ended up turning into about three years of saying no. But within that time, I ended up opening my practice, building it within three months, like having a full practice, taking all these courses that I wanted to finally take to like learn the skills that I wanted to take. Like I finally started doing what I wanted to do, but I couldn't do because I was so busy, like taking care of everyone else in the whole wide world. And in the end, what happened was like, I felt like, oh, is it selfish that I'm doing this? Like, no, I'm able to help so many more people now that I finally focused on what I wanted to do, you know, yeah. for, for people like who say like, oh, isn't it selfish to say no? 
I'm like, no, actually it's like the least selfish thing to do because I was being held back from actually being able to do what I feel like I am supposed to be doing in this world, you know? And when I finally stopped like being so afraid to like, you know, be like, I actually really want to like pursue like my practice and I want to like change the world in the way that I want to change it, you know? But I was so busy like, oh, you want me to change the world in that way? Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, I'll I'll volunteer for that. Even though like, I really don't want to, you know? As soon as I started saying like, I'm going to focus on like what I want to do right now. I feel like that's when I started making the most impact in the Jewish community with my clients, you know, really like helping. So that was like very eye-opening for me. And that was kind of my, my moment of clarity also when I realized like, okay, you know, like it makes a difference. Like it's, it's so not selfish to like finally step back and be like, no, I'm going to take care of me right now. Because when you are taking care of you, like it naturally just occurs that you end up taking care of everyone else. Yes. In a proper way, you know? Totally, totally. And yeah, and and what you're saying really goes for everybody in regards to like your own community, wherever you're from, you know, when you put yourself first and not in a selfish way, it's not what you're saying. You're just saying to have boundaries, to really have those boundaries that you know what's best for you and what's not. If it's harmful for you, that's not okay. And um, then you're going to end up having time to give to your own community, whether it's for Rachel and myself, it would be the Jewish community for you, it might be a different community. Um, whatever it is. So that's, that's a really great point because, and you'll see business success, professional success all comes from that. It's the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, I think that it's like, you have to think of like the long-term goal. Like when I'm giving more to myself, I'm able to give better to other people, you know, but if I'm giving to everyone else first, I'm depleted, you know, and if I'm giving from a place of not really wanting to give, I'm not giving my whole self. Yeah. way I flipped it. I said, okay, I'm going to give to myself so that I'm full and I can give to others. And I felt like I just saw it happen, you know, and it was like, wow, okay. Like all these, all these things I've been reading about for all these years, like, yes, it's actually true, you know, and like implementing it, like, okay, it really works, you know? And like saying no is really sometimes like the kindest thing to do and the best thing to do, you know, but we have this like association with like, no is mean, (laughs) not nice. You know, like, again, every time my husband would say no, I'd be like, Oh my God, like so mean, like you're a nice person, but like, my gosh, like you're (laughs) mean, you know? Um, but like, I'm just so glad that like, he was like my role model in this way of like saying like, no, it's, it's not a mean thing. Like it's a necessary thing. Um, so it was like very eye opening for me. And I'm just so glad that like, I, I had the courage and the support. Yeah. It's the year of the no. Totally. That's brilliant. It's like going from one extreme to the next, just because you have to practice that. And then you could go back to find that healthy middle ground. Yeah. And, and listen, if if it was healthy for you to always be in the know, then that's your, that's totally fine. And that's, you know, that's great. So, you know, you have kids, you're trying to deal with life and whatever it is. So people have to just like realize that it's so important to take care of yourself. It's funny, Rachel, because you're someone who these days, people who have recently started following you, you're kind of like the queen of boundaries. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I want to talk about that for a minute because, well, it relates to so many things, boundaries, but um, first of all, with your clients, and this is a question that I find, I, I'm just very like interested in this um, because I've, I've heard friends of mine and whatever, like talk about this, which is, do you ever have clients who want to be friends with you? Obviously you can't do that, but like, how does that, how do you deal with that? <laughs> so I don't know if I have clients that want to be friends 
friends with me. I mean, I'm sure they do. I know I definitely have clients that like, I wish we could be friends. Like I have them in my office and I'm like, wow, if you weren't my client, we would totally like hang out and be best friends. Um, and like, I really like, I, I just enjoy them so much and they're like amazing and awesome. Um, so that's hard. I mean, like the rules are like, you can't be friends with your clients, you know, like, I know there's some like guidance of like, after a certain amount of years, you could be friends if they're not your client anymore. Um, but you know, I always, I just say like, my philosophy is like, I meet people in the way I'm supposed to. So if this is how God intended that I'm supposed to meet this person to be this helper for them. And like, it means that we don't have a friendship. Like I'm going to trust that this is how I was supposed to be in their life. I'll acknowledge that, you know, there's a sadness of like, I feel like we'd be awesome friends and like, it stinks that we can't like hang out and like, just go for lunch, you know? Um, but I really just have to believe that like, this is the way that we were supposed to meet. And like, this is my job in their life. Um, and so that kind of, you know, helps if I have a client that does want to be my friends, like, I don't think anyone's ever like kind of said that outright to me, but they know, you know, like, I'm your therapist. And like, I can't be your friend. And when I meet with a client, like for the first time, I always kind of go through my boundaries of like what our relationship will look like in the office and outside of the office. Um, obviously if I see a client in the street, I always follow their lead. So if they want to just talk and like act normal and schmooze, like I'll, I'll talk with them and just like, you know, like shoot the breeze and Hey, hey whatever. Um, but like, they know I'm not like coming to their house for like the weekend or like, <laughs> They invite me to a wedding or whatever. Obviously, if if they're, if they're insistent that I'm there, like I would for sure come and be there happily. Um, but like, I really do believe like we the, the relationship is like sacred and, and it needs to be honored. And so the way that it's honored is through very firm boundaries of really protecting the client. Like it's not even about me, you know, it's about protecting the client. You're dealing with such sensitive stuff. Like they're giving me their life, you know, I'm not sharing my private stories, you know, right. Um, it's really all about them. So it can't be about me ever, you know? And, you know, sometimes I'll tell a client like, man, like we would be awesome friends. Like we'll talk about it, but, um, but they know like, that's not what I'm there for, you know, like I'm there as the therapist and like maybe in another life, you know, we'll be friends or we would have been friends, but like, clearly that's not like what was intended from, you know, up above, like, this is the role I'm supposed to play in your life. And, and I do feel like it's a privilege, honestly, like I've, I've had clients, I just had a client recently, she, she was with me a few years ago, and then she moved. So like, I haven't seen her since, but like, we were in touch always, she would update me on her life, what's going on. Um, and when I met her, she was in a, a terrible place. When she was first was it started out as my client, she was just really like, not in a good place, mentally, emotionally, physically, just really going through a lot of stuff. Um, and through our work together, we worked together for about like two years. She really like turned her life around. It was incredible. And then she moved and she got a great job somewhere and she met this like amazing guy. And, you know, part of our work was like helping her like have this relationship in a healthy way because she had a lot of trauma that would have not allowed it. Um, and she had this like wonderful, beautiful relationship. And like a couple of weeks ago, she texted me a picture that they're like engaged. And I was driving uh, with my daughter and I was like, I, I, when I saw the picture, I was like crying and she's like, well, like, what are you crying for? You know? And I was, it's really like, it's so, I feel like so lucky that I get to do what I do. I feel so lucky that I get to see that, like, I got to be a part of someone's like process. I got to be a part of someone like healing and like turning their life around and taking something that was like, like so bad when she came to me, it was so bad. 
And like, look where she is now. She's in this beautiful relationship and she's starting this new life and she's happy and she's healthy. Like it was so beautiful, you know? And so I just feel like, you know, and she was one of those clients, like I, I, I really genuinely like care for her. And I feel like, yeah, we would have been friends like once upon a time, but like, that's not how we were supposed to meet. So I'm so grateful that I get to be in her life in the way that I am and that I get to play the role that I did in her life. But like, you know, that's what it is. So thankfully she's one of those clients that does like let me into her life after, you know, even after our relationship is kind of over in that way. Like she'll still update me, which is like so special and, and nice and no clients ever have to do that. Um, But it was, it's so nice that she does. So um, it's cool, you know? So that's kind of how I see it is like, I'm, I'm here in the way that I was supposed to be. Like, there's an element of faith for me, you know, like this is how I'm supposed to show up. And so I'm going to take that role, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's so funny though, because the way you talk versus like the way you write, like you seem like you have, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but like, like when you're writing, like the question and answer stuff, um, more so than like now, because like now you're telling this story of your client who updates you and you know, pe- people who just watch you, like watch your stories on Instagram might think, oh my God, she's so like, it's like black and white, but it's really not with you. Like, you know what I mean? Like you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's <laughs> like there, I mean, if you're my client, you know, like you're allowed to text me. Like right. I, I'm very clear about like what, you know, I'll say you can, when I meet a client, I'll say, you can text me. I won't always answer um, past a certain time for sure. I won't, you know, I'll say, if I see it, I might not respond, but I'm not ignoring you. I'll respond as soon as I can. Um, I'll tell them what kind of texts are okay to send me, meaning like what kind of content. Um, and I remind them like, you know, it's my phone and it's locked and nobody touches it, but like, you know, you do want to be mindful, like not to put your entire life on my phone. It's not (laughs) confidential. Um, so my clients know that I am very boundary, but there is like, it's not so black and white. There is more communication than probably some other therapists. Some therapists have like, you cannot text me in between sessions. That's not my way, you know, like, or email only, but I don't, that's, you know, for me, I say a text is fine. I like to be in communication. If there's something you want to remember to bring up and you're nervous, you're going to forget, you could text it to me. Um, I'm definitely very boundary on Instagram, on social media, but that's because that's like a free for all. Like you don't know who's following you. You don't know who's going to come into your inbox. Like, and I want to make it very clear here. Like I'm not playing games on Instagram. Like I'm don't come into my inbox and argue with me or say disgusting things to me or be disrespectful or, you know, so on Instagram, I think I have to sound a lot more like there's no fun and games here, you know? Right. Right. Um, but I think in my office, you know, I once saw like, I think it was like a TikTok or I don't even know what, but it was like a, um, this therapist, she created it and she was saying like, you know, this is how people like imagine me in therapy. And she like had glasses on and she was writing all like serious in a notepad. And she's like, how I really am. And it like cracked me up. Cause I'm like, that's me, you know? And it was like, she's like how I really am. And she's like sitting in her chair. She's like, sticking <laughs> up her middle finger. And she's like, he did that. What a, what a jerk. And I'm like, okay, that's me. I'm that therapist. Like I'm not, so serious taking my notes like like, with you I am you know we're like I'm I'm like sometimes it can feel like two friends talking you know um so I'm definitely very different I think than people would imagine in the therapy room um than I am on social media but again I think on social media like if you're gonna have a business on social media if you're gonna put a have a platform like you need to be so strict about how you engage um and for sure, as a therapist, like I can have people spilling their lives to me in, in private message. And like, I can't do that. Like, I'm no, not a no. therapist. Like, 
yeah, like I'm not going to solve your problems on, on, you know, in a DM, like it's not, it's unethical. It's inappropriate. It's not safe for me to be doing that. Um, and I don't know someone's life just from a DM. I can't, I can't help you, you know? So I really have to be very like strict and, you know, um, especially, you know, like if I'm discussing certain topics, I'll get requests to talk about topics. And it's like, I can't talk about everything that everyone wants me to talk about. A, I'm not the expert of everything. You know, I have certain things that I know about and there's a lot of things that I don't know about. So I'm not going to just like, you know, Hey, can you talk about like trauma from whatever? And I'm like, I'm not a trauma expert. Like, no, I'm not going to talk about it. You know, like I have no place talking about this. Can you talk about marriage and whatever? Like, nope, I'll leave that to my friends who are the marriage therapists on here. Like, that's not my kind of content, you know? Um, so it's really just like very important, like for me online, for sure, to be a lot more boundaried than I am, you know, with my clients. Um, so I think who you see online, like you're pretty much what you see is what you get in my office. Right. But in just in terms of how I engage with my clients, it's very, very different than how I engage on social media. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how do you feel about, now that you're, you're reminding me of, how do you feel about coaches, people who are not actual therapists? But honestly, like I, I see a lot of coaches who don't have that mental health background discussing very serious topics. And I, I wonder, like, how do you feel about these things? Like, you know, between like relationships or, you know, sexual issues or whatever it is, like, what, what's your take on, on this? So I want to start by saying, I think there are coaches who are like amazing. There really are. And there's coaches who I would trust and who I think are fantastic. Um, and I'm like grateful for them in this space and and they offer so much. I don't think everybody has to be a licensed therapist to be able to help people. So I do think there is value in coaches. I do think there are a lot of coaches online that are really crossing the line and like talking about things that I think are just like not within their scope. Um, and it it's to me, it's concerning because I hear a lot of you know, I've heard people in my office, even who went to coaches and felt like they were or not even felt like they were clearly taken advantage of either like monetarily by like paying some outrageous fee, like more than any therapist would ever ask you for, um, for like a certain amount of sessions. And then like the sessions are just like really, I find exploitative, like they're just not helpful and they're harmful. Um, and because there are no real guidelines, like there's no licensing board, there's no oversight for coaches, like people are not protected and there's no kind of like standard of behavior um, for coaches when they're dealing with clients, whereas with therapists and not to say that all therapists are ethical and they're all acting within, you know, whatever, like there's plenty of horrible therapists out there, you know, um, who do really like horrible things. So I'm not at all saying like coaches are stinky and like, there's nobody like no governing, you know, body over them. And like therapists are great because like we have someone to answer to, like, no, there's awful therapists too. Um, but I feel like if a therapist, like, you know, does something that's harmful to you, there is some way for you to kind of like, you know, make sure that they have someone to answer to. And not to say that they necessarily will, it's very hard, you know, with these licensing boards to like file a claim and whatever, but um, there really is some kind of recourse that you can take. And with a, a coach, there's just not, you know, so in, in that respect, I say like, you're not as protected when you're working with a coach. And again, I, I find that a lot of the time, like as much as they'll say like, oh, I'm not a mental health provider and, you know, here's my thing. Like, I find that 
they blur the lines and they don't know like when it's beyond their scope of practice to say like, you know what, this isn't like my area. Like, I feel like you need a higher level of care. Um, I know a lot of coaches like to like advertise themselves as like, oh, therapists work with problems. And like, we work with like, you know, motivation or whatever. The future. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't only work with people with problems. Like not, and that just creates more stigma around therapy. Like, oh, only people who are messed up go to therapy. Like don't, you don't have to put down one to like make you seem relevant. You know, you could just right. say, you know, I'm, I'm not working in mental health, you know, but I'm here like to help you if you're feeling stuck and like, you know, you're having an issue, like this is my area of expertise and like, I'm going to help you. Um, so I feel like sometimes coaches kind of like push themselves by like pushing down therapy mm. and it's like, or, or stigmatizing it or representing it in a way that's like just inaccurate and pushes people away from the, the care that they really need. So in that way, like I don't love coaches, but again, I've seen so many that are incredible and that I've even worked with some together that, you know, like we've collaborated and, or they sent me someone or I sent someone to them. Um, so I don't, I don't think all of them are terrible, but I do think there is a lot out there that people need to be very, very wary of. Um, and please like, just be, you know, aware. I've seen people like calling coaches therapists also. And I'm like, uh, mm, you know, that that person's not a therapist, right? Like they're a coach and there's a difference. Um, and I've seen coaches calling themselves therapists and I'm like, you're literally legally not allowed to do that. Like even Rachel LMHC, I can't say I'm a psychologist because I'm not a PhD or a PsyD. Like that word needs to be used very carefully. You know, like I can't misrepresent myself. So when I see that, that's kind of like a red flag to me also. Like if you're willing to be dishonest about like your credentials and what your name is, like, I don't, I can't trust that you're going to be careful with like a human being who's in front of you, you know? So overall, I think coaches can be wonderful. I know many wonderful coaches. I do have a little bit of like a, mm, like at first, you know, I'm like, I need to like see who you are, you know? Um, I do feel this way, by the way, about some therapists too. Like I'll see a therapist not, and I'm not automatically like, oh, okay, licensed social worker, like, great, you know? Like I'm wary of therapists too. Like I wanna see your work. I wanna talk to you. I wanna hear how you deal with clients. Like you can't just introduce yourself to me and like, hey, I'm a therapist, refer people to me. Like, no, I need to like talk to you and see, like I need to know that I would trust, you know, to send someone to you. Like, I'm not just gonna be like, oh, he, you know, this guy like works here and like, I heard he's licensed. So, <laughs> you know, like, who are you? What, like, how do you treat clients? Like, what's your thinking? What's your personality? Like, you're not going to be a good fit for everyone. Let me get a sense of who you are. So I'm, I, I don't automatically trust a therapist either, you know, but I do think that there is just a lot more in terms of like safety and, you know, skill and, and education and clinical practice and clinical experience. And, you know, um, that a therapist can be a better bet for you. But again, like, I, I think that, you know, I know coaches that I, that I really like love and would recommend. So it's, you know, I, it's not like a clear, don't go to coaches or like only go to therapists. Like, I think there are great, you know, there are great providers on both ends, but you just need to be careful, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. That makes total sense. Um, so in regards to, you know, being a therapist, um, what is there something that you wish that your clients knew about you? I feel like I'm I'm like an open book with my clients. I feel like they 
like they know I don't know I think I'm pretty like open with them and um I don't think so I feel like I have great relationships with them and like they know whatever there is to know I guess I would say maybe just on social media what I wish people would know is like you know, that like there is a human behind this account. And like, if you don't agree, again, I don't get really, I really do not get very much negativity, like at all, thank God. And and I always say like, that's why I really just want to keep my platform. Like at, I don't need a hundred thousand followers. I don't, I don't need 50,000. I don't need, like, I'm so happy to just like be where I'm at, you know? And, and like, if I see my account growing, I'm not like, hooray. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope it just stays like as pleasant as it is. Cause with more followers can come a lot more negativity, you know? Yeah. People who don't want to be there for some reason are there, you know? So um, I would really like, I guess, my social media community to know, like, you don't have to agree with everything I say. Not everything I say is going to land well with you. You don't have to argue with me. You don't have to prove yourself to me. Like, why what I said is like, doesn't fit with your life that's okay. You know, I can't possibly speak to however many followers I have right now. Like I can't be correct for 13,000 people's lives or whatever it is, 14,000. I I'm not going to hit it on the head for every single person. So I think like for people to just be willing to be like, okay, you know what? I didn't agree with her right now. Like I can swipe past. I could ignore Or if I find that I'm constantly like disagreeing and she's annoying me on follow Rachel Tucker. Yes. Yeah, you don't announce it. Yeah, you don't have to tell me, but like I'm not insulted. And I and you know, I had this recently. I I did a post recently that someone messaged me and and said that like they did not appreciate it and they thought it was very blaming and it wasn't like a nice post. And given the situation this person was was in, I was like, You're you're right. Like I see why you feel that way. The intention of my post was not to be blaming, but I said, listen, maybe it's better for you to just mute me or unfollow me because like for what you're going through right now, like it, it's not good for you to see these messages, you know? And I totally get it that it doesn't land well with you. And I, and I don't want to hurt you. So like you, I'm not insulted, you know, like, like you could really just, you know, like not listen to me now, you know? And I just feel like that's, nobody has to be on my page and no one has to, like, you don't have to feel loyal to me or, you know, um, of course, I'm open to discussion with people if they want to like, you know, say, oh, hey, this is my experience or this is what I'm going through. Like, great. I'm, I'd love to hear that. You know, that's how I learn. But if people want to come and like argue about why I'm wrong, it's just like, this is your life. And if it doesn't make sense for you and it's wrong for you, then that is your truth. But it doesn't necessarily mean that like Rachel Tuckman is wrong, you know, right. like there are so many different ways to think about things. Um, so I think on my social media platform, I would just want people to know, like, you know, that there's a human here and like, just like you have your thoughts and worldviews, like I have my thoughts and worldviews. And the point of my page is to share my thoughts and worldviews. Um, and they're not always going to land well. And, you know, I do, I do think a lot before I post about my content and about my wording and about what message I share and how I speak. And I'm very, very intentional. Um, I hope that people see that. I feel like most people yeah, do. I, think I see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that I'm very thought out and I am not impulsive at all. And even when I shared that message from that person who was like being horribly abusive that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like I wasn't even mad when I shared the message. Otherwise I wouldn't have shared it. Right. You know? Right. So, like, when people were like, oh my gosh, are you okay? I appreciated, of course, that people were asking me, but I was like, 
if I wasn't okay, I never would have shared this. Like I'm not an impulsive social media user, you know, totally. I said, shared it because I'm completely okay. Yeah. And I thought it was like a good, you know, lesson to like kind of share here. Um, but like, yes, I'm very thought out. And that's, I guess what I would want people to know. Like I think before I speak, at least on social media, again, <laughs> here they're like, why are you lying, Ima? <laughs> Like you're not telling the truth, but in my work and on social media, I think before I speak, I try my hardest to be very sensitive about like, how is this going to land with people? I know it won't always land well, you know? Um, and, and I can't, again, that people please their part of me says like, but that's okay. Like it's not going to land well. And, and I've made peace with the fact that like, I can't make everyone happy and I can't like not say something at the expense of like, well, maybe I'm going to make someone feel bad or whatever. Like okay, someone might not like my message, but like there might be a lot of people that need to hear it. And so I'm going to say it, you know? Um, so I think that's just, I guess that's what I would want people to know is just like that I I care and that, I'm, that I think, and that if I ever come off in a way that it's like, oh my God, she sounds so like mean or callous, which I hope I never have. No, you don't sound mean or callous. Okay, you know, thank you. You sound boundary. No, you sound, by the way, it's true, by the way. I, I do, I could see that you're very well thought out. Sorry to interrupt, but as you're, like you could, I could tell, I've even thought that by the way, like post that you posted, even during that situation, I was like, this must have taken her a while to write because it was so like, <laughs> yeah, it did. And I sat with it for a while too, you know, like, how do I want to talk about this? Because I didn't want to be emotional about it. Um, and I wanted to make sure also that I wasn't emotional about it, you know, um, so I was very careful about it, but you know, I, I want people to know, like, I don't take it lightly at all. Um, and I know there's a lot of people, I guess, because so many people on social media are just like impulsive and share everything and like, don't think and, you know, that they might assume the same about me, but I, I really treat my platform like with a lot of dignity and integrity and, and it's my name, you know? Yeah. And like, I, I take it very seriously. Um, and I, and I never, you know, again, it's not a, it's not even about me. It's about the message. Like always, like, I just want to make sure the message is given in a proper way and, you know, and received as well as it can be. Um, and so I would want people to know that like anything I'm posting, like it's coming from a place of like caring. I remember once I put, I started talking about, I never finished the discussion and I have to, but I started talking about like mommy wine culture, like a few, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. And a lot of people started messaging me. Are you talking about this person? Are you talking about that person? Are you talking about this account? Are you talking about that account? And I was like, I don't know if you're like new here, but like, I don't target specific people ever in my discussions. Like I speak about issues, not people, you know? Yeah. You see an account that you think whatever I'm talking about relates to them. Like, okay. You know, like that's for you to deal with, but like, I am not speaking about anyone specifically. And it came to a point where like people were messaging one specific person and saying like, oh, Rachel's talking about you. Oh, no. It got back to me. Um, and so I ended up reaching out to this person and I was like, I just want to let you know, like, like this topic that I chose, like has nothing to do with you. And I feel bad if you felt like I was targeting you or I attacked you, like not at all. And I would never like be so passive aggressive to like be picking on you. And like, I wouldn't even be so obvious about it. You know, like <laughs> if I have something to say, I'm going to message you myself, you know, yeah, but yeah. it was, it just made me upset that people like try to like cause a divide between this person who I don't even follow, but who I know from, you know, like around 
Um, and then, and me and this topic that I thought was very important. So I ended up putting the topic on, on hold. Cause I was like, I, I like, it gave me like such a gross feeling of like, I'm trying to speak about something that's important. And like, you guys are making like a whole drama behind it. Um, but you know, I plan to get back to the topic, but it was just kind of like, you know, like guys, like, don't you know me here? Like, I'm not, I would never like call anyone specifically out, you know, and, unless it was like, you know, there's one like massively anti-Semitic like therapist on Instagram. I called her out, you know, right, right. Um, who was like making lists of Jews. Okay. I'm going to call out her, you know, this person's name, <laughs> but, um, otherwise, like I would never target someone specifically. And so like, that was like a little upsetting. And so, you know, I would want people to know that too. Like that, that I'm not, there's no pettiness for me on online. Um, again, I'm not talking about in my personal life, Rachel personal, I'm for sure petty here and there, but like in my job and my professional life, like I would never do that. Um, so I would want people to know that too. Like, you know, I take that, like I said, I take it seriously. I, I try to, you know, really be very intentional and thought out and careful about what I say and how I say it. And the, you know, who, what language I choose to use or not use. Um, so I think people should like know that and, you know, recognize it. Like I'm, I care, I care. And that's yeah. No, I think people do. I mean, for sure I do. And like, I've, and I'm sure like, you know, that when they say like for every person, there's tons of other people who feel the same way. So I'm sure um, that's the case. And this is even before, like we had, I realized we had any friends in common or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, you could tell, you could tell for sure. Um, Okay, I want to ask you one last question before we end off, but I know we're already like totally past time. This was such good. <laughs> um, you shared so so many good, great things with us. Okay, um, because you're a therapist, right? And my mom is also a therapist. I mentioned that earlier. So I'm very curious to know if in your personal life, like with your kids and with your family, you kind of like treat their problems the same way that you treat your, your clients or you talk to them like that? Because I feel like my mom kind of does that a little bit. So it's funny because in some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. Right. Because I feel like there is a certain like personality of a therapist. Like we're just, we are thinker, feeler, empathetic, whatever. <laughs> so definitely in some ways, like my kids will sometimes say to me, like, like stop being such a therapist, you know? <laughs> um, and like, I'll joke with them sometimes, like with my 10 year old. Like sometimes I'll say to her, I'm like, oh, Sophie, like you make me so happy. Like, I just like love being around you. No, you don't make me happy. You're not responsible for my happiness, but being around, and she always like laughs. She's like, I know I'm not responsible for your happiness. I know you don't feel happy. You know, like they, they make fun of me. Um, so in some ways, yes, I'm very much a therapist around them, but in a lot of ways, like, again, if I could have them sitting here, they'd be like, <laughs> no, she is not a therapist. Like I am not always objective. I am not always calm. I am not always level-headed. I, you know, I have my own like triggers and narratives and I am a flawed human being. Um, I do think overall, I think, I feel like I am probably like a, a different parent, um, because of like my therapeutic background and like, for sure, like I'm a little bit like more self-aware, um, you know, because of, like my work that I do, like, and I'm talking about this stuff all the time and, you know, um, but I don't, it doesn't like, I know a lot of therapists that are totally not self-aware and like that. You're like, if you would look at their personal lives, you'd be like, wow, I would like never come to you for therapy. No, <laughs> or like, wow, you can't even get your own act together. You know, like, why would I want you to help me? Um, but I think there is like a certain nature that I have that I can't separate the two that I am kind of like, 
that's just who I am. I'm someone who like talks about feelings and I believe they're important and I never want someone to feel like unseen. So I'm very much like that with my kids, with my husband, like, you know, when they're sad, I'm never like, oh, don't worry. I'm like, oh, that's so hard. That feels so bad. Like, yeah, that stinks. I'm going to stay right here until you feel better. And like, what can I do? Do you need me? Do you want me here? You know, so I do that stuff and that stuff is like normal for them. But, you know, (laughs) sometimes they'll make fun of me. They're like, okay, email, like stop being a therapist, you know? Um, So certainly like with the, when I talk about the diet culture stuff or whatever, they're like, okay, diet culture, you know? (laughs) They're like, they're like, we know, you know? Um, but then I have moments where they come home and they don't even realize that they're like sharing with me how they've learned, how I protected them. That I'm like, okay, you guys make fun of me, but like, here is a very important moment where I'm so glad that like, I talked to you guys about this stuff because this is, you know? Um, so, you know, but yeah, like the other day I was watching a show with my, with my six-year-old, almost six-year-old. And there was like a scene where. I don't know, they, there was like this kid and, and they have like a butler and like he, they were looking for candy and the butler is like a guy, he's bigger, he's like in a bigger body. And so, um, you know, the little girl's like, where's that candy? And the butler's like, I don't know. And she's like, what do you mean you don't know? Look at you. And so I turned to my six-year-old and I'm like, what did she mean when she said that? <laughs> my six-year-old is like, what do you mean? So I'm like, when she said, look at you, what was she saying? So she's like, oh, she's saying that he probably took the candy because he's fat. And I said, is that true? That just because someone's fat, it means that they eat a lot of candy. And she's like, no, you can't tell what people eat just by looking at them. Everybody has a different body and all bodies are good. Like she went into the <laughs> And I was like, for you, I was like, yes, yes. You know, so she, but then my older one next to me is like, (laughs) you know, but I'm like, it's important. I want her to know, like, we're watching this show and this is getting ingrained in you that a person who is fat must eat a lot of candy. Like we need to undo the message, you know? Totally. So my older one was laughing, but my, my younger one, like we totally had like, so that's the therapist in me that I'm like noticing these things. And I, and I want to get it's with them and I want to teach them and you know but I mean I have friends who are not therapists that do the same thing right important to them so I think it's just you know I don't know I I think I'm not always in therapist mode I think more often than not I actually will say to my husband when we're struggling with something with our kids I'm like what do I do he's like you're the therapist you know I'm like yeah but I don't know (laughs) so he usually figures it out and I'm like oh okay that's a good idea (laughs) really not so great with my own I'm not objective and I'm emotional I can't always see straight. Totally. So, um, so yeah, so it's kind of, it's a little so bit, of, you know, but more yeah. often I'm not wearing that therapist hat at home, you know, right. Like right. everybody else. Yeah, no, I love that, that your kids, that this is what like I can relate to that. Like they know the language of like their like, therapy stuff. Like, like, well, like we've been talking about boundaries since I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, like we even say to our mom, like my mother will say something. I'll be like, is that not like boundaries? Like, it's like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So they know boundaries, consent, like, they know right. all yeah, yeah. Autonomy, like they, yeah. Right. So I love that. Like, I feel like that's so important, but I do feel like because of all of this social media, like information and the therapists that are online and this Dr. Becky who teaches about this stuff, she's a great account to follow for parents. And there's so much content online that this is actually becoming normal lingo in a lot of people's houses. So like, you don't just have to be a therapist. Like, and I love that. I love that that information yeah. is there and that we're like empowering parents to like, make this part of your language, you know, like, yes, talk about boundaries and consent and personal space and validating feelings and, you know, like using that language with your kids. Yeah. Um, 
So like, it's not just reserved for therapists anymore, which is like awesome, you know? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love this for sure. It's so important. And you know, it's so interesting because all these, like, obviously I wanted to focus on, on you and your story and your life, which we did, but the, also within your life and your story, there are so many lessons for everyone to, to learn from. So, so great. I'm excited for this, but um, let me ask you the question that we ask everyone at the end. Well, I ask everyone at the end, which is what is something that you hope the next generation of women won't have to struggle with? Mm. So I think anyone that follows me will know my obvious answer is I, I really, really hope that women will learn to love and respect their bodies and to not be filled with this feeling of like never enough and always having to look different than they do. I would just love for girls and women and boys, you know, but specifically women and girls who so much of this pressure is on us to just like feel comfortable in their skin and accept their bodies and respect them. That would be the ultimate. Yeah. I love that. I'm not surprised by that answer either. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Rachel, this was so nice to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure. And I can't wait for everyone to listen to it. Thank you. Yes. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 